0: to queer and lgbtq plus live entertainment discussion podcast i'm your host megan wilson and with me is
1: hey it's me phil villar i'm back and we're back we're all back
0: yay it's been a while and with us we also have a guest today to join us and that is shelby shelby why don't you introduce yourself real quick and then we'll get into more about you perfect
2: hi my name is shelby stark uh when i am not unemployed because of the massive industry-wide shutdown due to the pandemic i am a production manager with networks presentations which is a company that produces a ton of uh broadway style tours nationally and internationally
0: fun um cool well how's everyone doing so far today
1: well, it's it's 2021. We got a new president. And somehow in like in the span of a week, what was that?
0: I did clapping. I'm sorry. I was happy.
1: Oh, that was awesome.
0: <laughs> I have sound effects built in.
1: Uh, you know what? In like in less than a week, we like our lives have just drastically been better already. <laughs>
0: I mean that's very much true. We also apparently are getting actual plans for vaccine rollouts, which should hopefully Fingers help off. our industry come back. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: even like I'm already like in less than like that one week, like I already started getting emails from theaters, be like, these are you know these are summer plans, and I'm like, oh my god, like it's just like all of a sudden like it's just this breath of fresh air. Like I I watched the the first you know presidential press conference. And it was boring.
2: Yeah. It was
1: just such a breath of fresh air that everything was boring. It was wonderful.
2: Could not agree more.
0: Uh, it's great. I love it. I love the so boringness Sh- of politics again.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. It's the best thing. So, Shelby, tell us what got you into this this industry that you know if if it wasn't for the money
2: oh definitely wasn't for the money i had no idea that you could like make money in theater when i got into it um apparently you can't um but uh i was oh gosh i was in high school and uh a person I was dating was doing a community theater production. And I was like, you know what? I'll go audition me. the super shy introvert. Who's so full of insecurities. will go audition for this show. You're a good man. Charlie Brown. Um, I went and I bombed it. It was the most embarrassing like thing of my entire life. Um, and they're like, Hey, well you seem like out of the people who we didn't cast, you seem the most organized. Do you want to be our stage manager? And I said, uh, sure. I had no idea what that was. um, so like at that point i was planning on going to college for religious studies um yeah that's where i had intended to to you know spend my life Interesting. yeah because i wasn't like I, i wasn't religious but i was interested in religion um and how like everybody not everybody but a lot of people make that such an important part of their life and like What's the point in all of this? So I was like, let me go study that. Um, But then I did this community theater production, ended up stage managing it, and uh, really liked it. So I um, started, you know, shifting my focus in high school from tennis to theater and ended up deciding to major in theater. Uh, Did a few really great uh, internships, a few, I think maybe just a couple. I did Santa Fe Opera, Cirque du Soleil. and then straight out of school, I uh, I got a job with networks through USITT being their kind of intern slash assistant production manager in the office. And I was doing that for about six months before I started touring with them. And then I did five tours with them. One of them was international. My most recent one, um, I got my equity card for. So for the past four or five years, um, I've been with the company in that capacity, and then in February of 2020, uh, got promoted to production manager. So, yeah, no longer interested in religion That's so, so cool. much.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you know, if you want to look at it, where you're, you know, working in production, you're you're constantly, you know, providing offerings to our yeah. to our great god of theater and live entertainment. That would be Bacchus, go. our Roman god of theater. And Dionysus. There you go. There's your religion. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So I guess then, like, you know, prior to you know the pandemic and everything, like, what, what kind of, what kind of like specific tasks and you know something that's really not conventional in theater, got kind of got you stuck with it. You know, like as opposed to you know because you're doing a lot of tours, which has a hell of a lot more logistics and everything right that right you're not dealing with just a you know like oh this is you know old white man theater and here's our inventory and you know and here's our usual budget for the year so what what part of the unorthodox elements of touring do you really like that you wish theaters that would be you know that has a season well, it's, and everything it's hard because be i don't have very and...
2: much like regional experience or anything besides tour but when i was in school um you know i did the the shows mm-hmm. uh at the university and uh again i worked with santa fe opera for the operatic experience i did cirque um for that type of experience i was like you know what i liked both of those let me see what else there is in case there's something i like more i was kind of in the i want to try it out mode um and that's when i talked to networks and like at usitt i like talked to cruises i talked to regional i talked to tours i talked to circ again um like i was just doing everything you do um but i really enjoyed my conversation with networks and uh kind of decided again that's it was so different from opera and from circ um and I wanted to give it a shot, and and when I did that, uh, I learned that it was so much more challenging than either Santa Fe or Cirque were for me. And that might be, not be the case for everybody, but it's it's maintaining a show over the course of you know six months a year or whatever it is, um, while having to change it in almost every venue. Uh, like at least on the smaller tours, on the bigger tours you fit, you do the same show, you're fine. But um, on the on the tours where you're playing these tiny shoebox venues, and you've got four trucks to spit in a face in a in a in a space that you know can barely hold one and a half, like what do you do? So it's it was that challenge of modifying the show on you know on the one nighter tours on a near daily basis. Um, to still maintain that integrity that you're responsible for on the road. So, as you know, the stage manager, I made the blocking adjustments and I made, um, you know, any any safety changes or entrances changes, uh, modified quick change locations, whatever that is, to to make it happen. You know, you're making decisions with the head carp or lighting or sound or whatever department says, oh, we don't have the space for all of this. What can we cut and making all of those decisions and modifications was, I think one of my favorite part of it is because it's not the same thing. Cause I can't imagine just doing one show, just like sitting there doing one show every day for however long, um, like the thought of Broadway to me, oh my God, that sounds like, a, that sounds so boring because, like, you're just sitting there doing the same show in the same venue. Yeah, you get new cast and put in rehearsals and blah, blah, blah. But truly, I hate rehearsals. Um, that's my least favorite part of any process, which is probably the worst thing for a stage manager. But here we are. Um, <laughs> but it was just, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine the lack of change. So I think that that challenge is what made touring so appealing to me and made me stick with that instead of, okay, I tried this. Now let me go back to that. Um, and that even in this production management job, now it's like, okay, finally, you know, I've I've had that itch on the road for the past couple of years of, oh, I want a place of my own. I want a place to decorate. And you can't tell cause the walls are empty. I haven't gotten to this room yet, but um, but I've been itching for that place of my own that you don't get when you're on the road um but now in this position i kind of get the best of both worlds i get this place i get to work remotely um in you know my home office get to have my two cats uh it's excellent and then i get to do show visits i go check all of my shows and then i go check in on all of my shows um and then i you know fly to the city for rehearsals or meetings or whatever it is so i get that travel and challenging aspect and i'm managing multiple tours now so that's it's Challenging in a different way than, you know, making cuts and modifications venue to venue. So it's that it's that travel aspect and going to different places and changing things wherever you are and giving advice like, oh, I've been there. I know exactly what you're going to have to do, and it's not going to be fun. Um, like that is what keeps me so engaged in specifically touring.
1: No, there's that's definitely some validity because, you know, it's funny that you say like, I can never imagine working in Broadway. You know, and I'm I'm thinking to myself like, oh my god, like Lion King is still running with the same plot. They're still running obsession console, you know, and like
0: I will say, their plot changed recently. At least the UK one did. They got some new fixtures in there.
1: Oh, okay. So there you go. At least I and I just think of the Broadway one because I know the Broadway one is still using an obsession console. You know, and it's like, and and they're just you know one person just pressing that go button for every show, and at this point, it's just like. Wow, I, I, I couldn't I couldn't even do that. I, I think I would you're right. I think I would actually lose my frickin mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean that and like cruise ships also do the same thing over and mm-hmm. over. Like if you look at one of those books, it's like literally detailed down to like this minute and second we do this every single day. It's just I, I could not do the monotony of it of over and yeah. over and over the same thing for who knows how long. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But now we have absolutely nothing.
0: I mean, that's true. I guess doing the same thing would be (laughs) better than nothing. But (laughs) you're right. But props to those who do.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, oh, 100%. I mean, like, it is not for the faint of heart. I mean, like, especially for people who have, like, ADD. (laughs) Or if you do have ADD, it's such a good tool for you to work on your ADD. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess, uh, you know, so Shelby, then, uh, What's something that you, that you that you really kind of take advantage of in in a real life sense that you're that you've gotten from from going on tours? Like, because I'm sure you you know now that you you know you we we all haven't really been working stuff like that. What have you been doing? That's kind of like okay, I I need to scratch this this itch. You know, what is some real world applications that you've kind of been doing?
2: Well, right now, if uh, I'm trying to get my sister to cooperate, uh, she got engaged uh, oh, about a go. year ago, mm-hmm. um, and I am planning her wedding, okay. so that's kind of getting the uh, the kind of stage manager, I guess, I don't know, stage slash production, I don't know, I've never done mm-hmm. wedding planning before, <laughs> so it's a little bit of everything, I
0: guess. Um, it, it is. So Let that's... me, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um but that's that's something i'm doing right now i'm just waiting for her to give me that guest list that she's been promising me for a month um like shay it's gonna be your fault if we can't find the things you want um but uh yeah so that's something i'm doing to to kind of help with that the management itch that Mm -hmm. i have um but i think for me the the biggest itch is just to to stay busy and feel like i have a purpose um (laughs) and that's that's very challenging. Um, so, you know, I've been keeping busy again by by doing a bunch of projects in the apartment. Um, like you can see behind me, like wow. I did three freaking crazy photo walls. It took hours. Like the measurements to get mm-hmm. all of those like collage walls together took hours. And I was like, okay, that's like a week, two week long project. We have over 130 photos. Wow. Um, Yeah. So it's like, okay, I did something like that. Or I'm, you know, trying to, I don't know, like I turned my my office closet into a little meditation nook. So I, I cut out a shelf to put on top of the little pole so that I could put some plants in there and everything like that. So it's like I, I do little home projects um, just to feel like I'm keeping busy. I registered for online classes to to help my itch for learning. Because um, on the road, that was one of my favorite things. Is you learn something new in every venue. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, can we do the show this way? Yep. Okay, great. Can we do it that way? Absolutely not. Lesson learned. Um, <laughs> so it's and I think, you know, whether <laughs> I've taken tests that tell me this, and I just know this about myself. But like my greatest strength is my desire to learn. Um, constantly the amount of books I read on varying subjects the you know I'm uh taking online classes now to get uh an associate's degree wow. in social work and then I plan to do criminal justice and then I plan to do paralegal wow. um yeah so it's just like doing stuff like that trying to to fix my like want to be an activist itch mm-hmm. by getting involved with Harris County Democratic Party um so there's like I'm trying to to stay busy and feel like use, you know, if I if I can get into this like leadership program that the Harris County Democrats are offering, um, then I would be able to you know be a leader of their volunteers um, for local elections and that type of thing. So I'm trying to to get the the manager leader aspect in that, mm-hmm. um, so I can lead groups of people for something that I'm passionate about, and it's just. There's little things here or there, you know, I've got a side gig lined up in March to do a like art heist outdoor theater thing in Houston. It was in Austin a while ago um, so that's like mm-hmm. a a fun thing to do something theatrical <laughs> um, but yeah
1: you you talk about you talk about. Like the paralegal, the activism, and all in my head, I'm like, "Oh my god!" And here am I just talking about it with Megan like 10 minutes ago, being like, <laughs> "Yeah, I'm making a necromancy D and D character during my Nothing free time." Wrong with that. <laughs> and I'm like, and "I'm like, I'm like, all right, uh, let's uh, let's let's look at my desk right now. Like, what have I been? I'm like, I've been teaching. Gosh, darn it, that that counts for something."
0: Okay, teaching yeah. takes in so much time and effort. Oh my like, god! Like being married to a teacher, yes, there is just so much work that goes into that.
1: Yeah. And and then being friends with a teacher who I and then then being friends
0: with a teacher, it's just so much. I I know so much of that industry now.
1: I I send memes on a daily basis to Megan, being like, "Hey, show this to Katie. Just do me a favor. Show this to Katie. Would it be easier? (laughs) Would it be easier if I had Katie's number? Yes, but would it would it be as fulfilling just being like (laughs) Megan? Show this. You know, at least then I. I... (laughs) No, but that's awesome. Well, most of
0: the time I end up laughing at those too. It's great.
1: Okay. Uh, that's awesome Shelby though I mean like it, it you know especially like now more than ever that we're you know especially you know within the last eight months that you know activism becomes more and more of a thing like um it's funny that you mentioned that also because like I'm I'm also part of an activism uh, group that I want to mention the show called Design Action which is a group of uh, BIPOC uh, designers from all around the country and parts of the world uh, there are um Creating a caucus within each other in the USA United Scenic Artist Union. And uh, we actually had the good fortune of talking to the newly elected president of USA um, and hearing him, like his, you know, his goals and his futures for during his tenure as president. And then uh, on Monday, we're going to have the good fortune uh, of talking with young designers who might be interested in the union and asking him questions, you know, like, what are you doing to help? better uplift um, BIPOC designers, because that was a big conversation, especially with mm-hmm. George Floyd and, you know, in the clear un- underrepresentation of BIPOC people in any kind of industry, but mm-hmm. in our particular focus in theater and live entertainment. So that's really cool. And I think that's, that's cool. And it's, it's cool that you brought up the Activ- activism again, because it actually uh, it brings up a good segue into our next topic. Uh, which is um how we as designers are kind of helping theater stay afloat even if it's at the cost of our own income <laughs> so to speak. Um you know I, I think it, it 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 goes without saying that we you know we you know as theater practitioners never we don't want a single theater to close. You know, we, we never do, right? And because they're, you know, we need them as much as they need us. Um, and we see now and time and time again with artistic directors from theaters all around the country trying to come up with new and exciting ways to uh, keep their subscribers happy, right? Their donors happy, and, of course, their main audience and trying to get tickets. And, you know, and for a lot of for a lot of that, we we kind of, you know, we we help out to the best of our ability. Many of us have probably even started working in these theaters with a significant pay cut. That way we can you know, participate and still be um, compensated for it. Um, but we're finding more and more in this industry and I'm finding these in articles and um, testimonials of how a lot of designers are feeling like they're being taken advantage of by theaters uh, because this, you know, can got open essentially i guess you can you could say it's almost with the start of hamilton of the idea of streaming theater now granted streaming theater has always been a thing you know you could go to a lot of independent theaters and find you know streaming of the globe productions in london or even met over the metropolitan opera house you know they you know those organizations have hours upon hours of content you know dating back you know almost decades of past productions but we're finding more and more smaller theaters are having the ability to do that too, whether it be through Vimeo, Zoom, or other sort of streaming software and um, and other meeting applications. I guess the my, my long-winded discussion is, my long-winded question is, how do we as designers, you know, defend ourselves? Because we never really work with residuals, right? Or re-screenings. These are typically very film, you know, film categories but we're kind of falling into that you know what do you guys think
2: uh well it's interesting because you know i've i've seen contracts where you know like as as a stage manager i've signed a contract where any paperwork that i've created at the end of production belongs to the company um like obviously it's not like i have to delete it for myself i still keep it but like they do not have to pay me to use my paperwork to remount a tour later on because I have signed the rights over to them. So I think that there there mm-hmm. is something to be said about contract language. Um, and, you know, I think nobody anticipated this. So there are probably a good deal of people who have signed away the rights to their work without anticipating the extent to which it would be used and, you know, screened. Um, so I think, yeah, and and oh, that's, that's something where it's it's oh. difficult to kind of go back on uh, when you've got theaters, you know, making literally no money, trying to scrape by with everything they can. Um, the the unfortunate part of that is, you know, that that leads them to take advantage of the people that have created the work for them. And I think that a solution moving forward would be for you know designers or Anybody, any part um, you play in getting the the show up, uh, you know, add a rider to your contract. Demand um, that any any screening, any live streaming, anything like that, you are compensated for. If there is something that says this work is ours, challenge that. Push back on that. Um, you know, maybe you can't negotiate a higher salary right now because nobody has money, but maybe you can say, you know what, but I will be paid or compensated when my work is used to air again later. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and
0: especially if the, I mean, I feel like that last part is like, if it's aired again later and if it's aired for a cost later like especially like if there if the comp- if there's a theater out there or any type of production company, production house out there that's putting it on, you have to buy a ticket of some kind to see it. At that point, there is some kind of revenue revenue coming in to yeah. to like they the, everyone involved should be compensated somehow. I know that's like me just saying it like in an ideal world, we would all be compensated. I know that there's other costs that are going along that haven't been able to be covered completely. Like, I mean, they still have to pay rent or some kind of property tax or whatever to actually house the theater and the location and make sure that there's a location to come back to at the end of this. But, like, if you're able to bring in some kind of money, you definitely want to make sure that there is somewhere, some, something in the contract that you are yeah. getting compensated for. And again, somehow. It,
2: it, it could vary. Guess, you know, you like, don't, it, it might be, mm-hmm. okay, if we decide to, to, stream this somehow you might get a one-time flat fee and great that's something you know it might not be okay you get this percentage of every ticket sold you know it's it's just something to acknowledge the work of the people that created the show that the company is now streaming um it's like you produced the show Mm -hmm. you filmed it and now you get to to make money off of it again without any sort of budget for it, you know, so it's again, I think it's it's something that you could negotiate in contract language, and there would be pushback, absolutely Um but I, I do think mm-hmm. that that is an option and that, you know, I don't know how I don't have any solutions for retroactive you know, I don't think you're going to get any of the theaters with zero income right now to be like, you know what actually, yeah, let me pay you this flat fee um and as you know unfortunate as it is i just think that that's where we're at um but i think moving forward Mm -hmm. any work that is done during this you know heavy streaming um you know world of theater we're in right now that's definitely worth a a detailed read in the contract you're offered as well as you know a conversation on that aspect
0: Mm -hmm. i would say even if we get out of sorry phil even if we get out of this like streaming and we're back to like being normal well normal like pre-pandemic we're buying tickets we're going out we're seeing the show that kind of deal like i think it's still worth mentioning having something in the contract at the end that says hey if this gets live streamed whatever like have something put in there as like do you actually plan on keeping if you're making a film if you're planning to archive this somehow are you planning to also mass distribute it somehow later on and if you are then we should be com- then i should be compensated somehow for that mass distribution whether it's through selling the archival tapes streaming it later however you're choosing to make money off of it like this is this is something we need i don't know contract language so this is just me like saying what's coming to the layperson's mind um but like that you should be competent thinking about like what's going to happen in the future with your work at this point.
1: No, and absolutely. And and at the end of the day, like, you know, this is still hard for everybody. And, you know, and we as designers, you know, we still have repetitions, rep, uh, reputations to uphold and optics is always in everything. The last thing you want to be is, Hey, you know, you know that, you know, that Mike shell guy, you know, I heard he was shaking down a the theater for an extra 20 bucks because, his, because his, uh, the theater that you know the production he was working on only offered him 20 bucks so he wanted 40 bucks you know you don't want that kind of reputation either you know because it it doesn't look good on you especially if you're a local designer you know or if you're up and coming um uh, you know i was talking to a couple of people about this and like you know just because i wanted to get you know not just from a rising or young designer or middle tier but also like well-established designers And many of them just tell me, you could always rebuttal back by bringing your own contract. You don't have to have the theater companies provide a contract for you. You can read it and then modify your contract based on theirs, you know, and then you can just send it back and be like, listen, you know, we, this is, you know, I'm offering, this is my design fee. And you can, they can sign the contract. It doesn't just have to necessarily be you just because you're the 1099. So that's something to to consider and think about because I know a lot of young designers that they, they don't know that. You know, they think that the contract can only come from you know the theater's end because they're the and ones that are hiring you. A lot of people also you. think,
2: you know, the only thing you can negotiate in a contract is salary. You know, there are there are so many other aspects mm-hmm. of a contract that you can have conversations about and and modify. So it's definitely worth the conversation to to get what you need out of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
1: so the next thing I definitely want to talk about, because we're continuing this discussion, right, um, it, it would be hard to not mention about the Metropolitan Opera House. Right. And how they locked out the stagehands from, you know, from the ongoing contract. Um, so this is from The New York Times uh, back in December 7th, uh, 2020. Um, The big thing was is that uh, the Metropolitan Opera House and uh, Union One have been in in an ongoing uh, fight about how they should be continuously paying their stage hands, right? So the Met made an agreement. Sure, we will continue to pay many of your employees or, or, you know, your brotherhoods and sisterhoods and, you know, and your siblings of the union uh, up to $1,500 a week if the if the union agrees to a long-term contract that includes a 30% pay cut now that's right that's i think that's wrong because you're definitely taking advantage of people in their when they're at the most vulnerable you know and you're putting the union leaderships in a very very bad position because they, you know, the whole purpose of why we have a union is so that way they have the ability without an emotional guttural reaction to be able to see, you know, long-term, five, ten-year plan, right? So many of the um, people I knew in the union got mad. They were like, no, we should totally take that. We could, you know, we can we can cross that bridge later. And it's like, yeah, you think that because you're struggling right now, but 30% of your pay being cut. For the long term, at least ten years.
2: Is that what it says? That's it wrong. Say 10 years?
1: I mean, that is just. Yeah, no, no, not ten years. Sorry, i that was. I, okay. It says for the long term, long term contract. So typical long term contracts is anywhere between five to ten years, right? And then they re reestablish, you know, renegotiate. um Let me check to see if they're. If That's they got... still
0: a long time, and I don't foresee cost yeah. of living going down.
1: In New York City. near the, that time. <laughs> No yeah. absolutely not. And. Like, it's, yeah.
0: That's, that's just a really long time. To think about. And I mean. It is slightly taking advantage of a situation. That people are in like yes they want this paycheck. I mean you need this paycheck to survive. Especially because of. Our government like. They need a way. But it's like. But what's going to happen after we're done with the pandemic or after we've adjusted life to go on and live on to where we can resume some kind of normalcy, like what's going to happen then? I feel like it's hard to foresee Mm -hmm. how much is going to be needed.
1: Yeah. And like we're talking about the Metropolitan Opera House who, you know, even during the pandemic has been constantly selling, you know, streaming tickets for past productions. You know, they they you know, like I'm not gonna say that they've been doing grand, but they've been doing fine. You know, and their donors, you know, the donors who donate to the Metropolitan Opera House, they're probably okay too, for the most part. You know, so like I can't and nor do I imagine the city of New York or even the state of New York like allow this, the Metropolitan Opera House to close to to shutter their doors. I, I do not foresee that, even if the Metropolitan Opera House was in the worst of circumstances. But like wow. their
0: you know, their season is as much as my hockey season, which got cut in half this year. Wow. Uh, they, how, uh, much, how much it's is that? $150 here. a year.
1: So, I mean, the, I, I don't know it, how
0: many people are paying that, but.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, that's the thing, you know, and. It's easy to kind of just look at the the Metropolitan Opera and just be like, "Oh, you guys are bad guys," or you could, or if you're <laughs> anti union, look at the union, and be like, "No, you need to take care of the workers first. You know, you could always renegotiate later, but you know, you know, as soon as as soon as something like this happens, or you accept the pay cut just once because of dire circumstances, that cementsurized really yeah. freaking quickly. You know, you know, and I I've started to see a lot more in theaters too that because they weren't be, weren't able to hire outside designers and stuff like that they've been doing a lot of productions in-house they've already like are establishing like how can we do this moving forward because look how much money we could save if we start designing in-house you know
0: yeah that and it sets precedent that other company that other production houses could do this as well um so like it's really hard whenever you're as big as the Met I mean and this goes for all industries as soon as they start doing something someone uh, so one of their other, well, someone else will start doing it also. So it's not just affecting only the Met. It's going to ripple out and be like, oh, well, we could start negotiating this for houses in uh, in San Francisco area, for example, like stuff like that.
1: Yeah. So uh, Peter Gelb, the the Mets general manager, says. I realize it's incredibly painful what we're asking them to do, but we are trying to do, what we're trying to do is keep the Met alive. And the only way to achieve that is to reduce our cost, which I'm like, so if you want to make that argument that you're trying to keep the Met alive, how are you doing that by when things go back to normal, you're cutting 300 stagehands, roughly 300 stagehand unions, by you know salaries by 3 by 30%. Like you're then saying by that precedent that you're that the met's been in trouble for years and now you're taking this opportunity to fix that, right? Or am I crazy well, into it's, looking it's at it that?
2: Well, it's hard right now because you know, I imagine most theaters or theatrical companies have pretty much depleted any sort of savings or reserves that they have. So, it sounds like the met has enough money to front payments right now um which is it, it's something that not a lot of theaters have the ability to do um so if they have the ability to to front those payments right now um i can't imagine that I don't know. It's so hard because I don't want to make assumptions, but if if they've got enough in their reserves to yeah. pay that right now, what it leads me to to think is that when things get back up and running, you know, they won't be in the red. They might just be really low in their savings. So taking advantage of this allows them to build their savings back up, per se. Um and that way, if something yeah. happens again, and they'd be able to. I get to that. Like, I I get back a little bit not feeling comfortable, not having any savings. But um, it's it's definitely an abuse of the situation. And you know, Ayatsi President um Matt or Matthew Loeb said, uh, he's quoted saying. It's outrageous for the Met to lock out its stagehands during the pandemic and to leverage them for conditions the company was unable to get in normal times. It's opportunistic, despicable, and demonstrates a real lack of compassion for so many in these already trying times. So, you know, the president of the union is saying this is insane. Um and it is. You know, I and I understand I would love to get that sort of payment right now in the pandemic. You know, so many of us have been unemployed for months. That's a lot more than unemployment or whatever, you know, side gig jobs we've been working on in the meantime. But as you said like that cut long term, you know, at Networks, we're uh, I mean, I say we as if I'm still working there, but When I was there before I was furloughed, and still right now, the people that are working there are working off of salary cuts, significant salary cuts. Um, And I anticipate that those salary cuts will be in effect until months after the tours have been up and running. Um, And that's, it's hard. Uh, It's like there are people that are, are working multiple jobs on top of it to make up for it. Um. Because it's, it's a hard thing to do. And, you know, I I wouldn't fault anybody for being like, you know what, this is, I cannot live with this salary cut, I'm going to leave. Um, I wouldn't fault anyone for that, because it's a significant amount that drastically affects how you're able to live. Um, and it's, it's something where, you know, I think most of us in the office love what we do so much that that we're willing to make it work but what we you know it's i can't imagine doing that so long term you know i i wouldn't want to make that a long-term commitment you know i think that we will gradually increase back Mm -hmm. to our full salaries but i don't think it's going to take five or ten years um so we we agreed to this so that we can you know keep the company going. Let's get these shows back on the road this fall, hopefully. Um, but asking the Met a chance to do that indefinitely is definitely an abuse of the situation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. No, I I would agree with all of that. I mean, it, again, it's just like. What's going to happen after, like, we don't know how long this is going to last. At the same time, it sounds like we're on the right track to get back. But, like, we also have to think about, like, how, what do we need to survive after this? And another interesting thing to think about, and Shelby kind of talked, you kind of, like, got me thinking about this, is, like, what's going to happen when people realize, hey, like, the pandemic's over, but all these people had to go to a different industry, because they had to go and get jobs to feed for their family and if the met is doing and if anyone i won't just call it the met if anyone they're just the ones that have the article about them um if anyone is doing something relatively similar about about relatively similar to this it's not going to want people to come back to the industry like just i mean shelby you know how and phil like how many people it takes to put on a production like if they're getting a 30% salary cut and somehow got a job or a career that was stable enough and paying them as much as they were before, they're not gonna want to come back and help put on well, the show. Like they have to feed their family and, somehow. And what I
2: will say is that again, because theaters are making no money and they have nothing to to pay people mm-hmm. with, to put up a show with, I fully expect that pay cuts will be a thing for this coming season. However, Mm -hmm. however, you know, I I think it's, I, I, I don't think it's reasonable to expect anyone to get a raise, you know, like that's just not where we're at. Um, and again, some people might make exactly what they were making. Some people might make a little less, but it's not permanent. You know, it's, it's, we have to do this now. We Mm -hmm. can't offer you raises this season because we've got nothing. We're still working on reduced salaries, but this is what it takes for us to get to the point to where we can give you raises in the coming seasons. So it's, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's a little bit to both sides, but I think the Met is taking it to such an extreme that it's abusive. You know, again, pay cuts, it's going to be a reality. You're not going to make as much as you were making. But a 30% cut indefinitely and getting them to sign and agree to an indefinite amount of time, that is manipulative. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: No, uh, absolutely. And, and, you know, and it, it's hard and it, and I get it. Like, it, it's hard for everybody. And it's, you know, we, we've, we've seen the memes, we've seen the, you know, the filters and the frames, you know, they say theater, you know, live entertainment is the first to shut down and the, and the last one to come back up. We We've seen it time and time again. And we've heard time and time again people saying like, "Oh, theater and live entertainment, you know, and entertainment in general, they're not that important." Yet people have relied on content that we've made, you know, since the pandemic. Might now more than ever, right? I mean, like, you know, that's just a, that's just a stark reality. And yeah, I, 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 I know, and especially now that many of us are out of work right now, a lot of us are kind of taking the time to stop and think, how do we as an industry always feel like we're behind when it comes to decent living and decent respect of employment compared to other careers, right? Which leads me to my last topic for today's episode, which would be um 10 out of 12s this was a big conversation yeah this was a big (laughs) conversation um during the summer especially and you know a lot since a lot of us haven't been working and you know because of that people can stop take a breath and be like hey this is fucked up uh (laughs) should 10 out of 12s exist And if you think so, why? (laughs) Um,
2: I'm going to dive right into this because this has been my area of study for weeks now. Um, We at Network started an equity and diversity committee. um, And, you know, we've been researching a lot of different aspects of the we see you demands. And I decided to focus on 10 out of 12s. So I've, you know, talked to people, um, you know, like Broadway designers who are planning on uh, eliminating them. I think today there was a post by USITT saying no more 10 out of 12s. So we were talking about that um, earlier this morning, and I spent hours trying to research what it would take on on our level. To make that happen, I did like a bunch of different versions of the schedules with other production managers, with you know, producers, um, my COO, and we're trying to, you know, look at and see how much it costs to eliminate 10 out of 12s just for you know, for one show. How much, how much for a, a generic schedule does it cost, you know, to move down to even nine out of 11s you know like because everybody going home one hour earlier is still progress you know it's it this this we see you document you can't do all or nothing it's it's so massive and there are so many things that we all have to work on that you've you've got to just pick a couple things implement them boom done move to the next few things implement and boom done so when I was doing this research, we came up with an estimate of what it would cost to um, move out of ten out of twelves, and it's really expensive. Um, so it's it's a challenging situation because it's something where I fully believe that we should not be doing ten out of twelves. I think tech periods should be extended. Um, you know, if you can do even just eight-hour tech days, you know, ex- add a week, do all eight out of tens. Um, you know, and, and everybody gets more sleep. Everybody's more productive. Uh, that's, that's something that's just healthier and better for everybody. However, I think that there will be a a significant challenge in implementing something like that. Um, there are some places that can do that right now. You know, I think regionally that's a little easier. You know, you you you're paying your rent on your theater regardless. You know, you you pay your you're there, um, but on tour you're renting a tech venue mm-hmm. and are you renting it for two weeks or are you renting it for four weeks? That's an added cost. Um, and then you have to pay per diem and hotels uh, and you know rehearsal studios and all of this for so much more on top of tech labor and overtime. Um, so it's it's a very expensive thing to do and then multiply that with our company by 12 shows. Um, So it's, it's something that I think should be high on people's priority list. Um, It's something that I am still researching and uh, going to be pushing for. But again, with the situation that we're in now, you know, we don't have money to pay ourselves our salaries. I don't think we're going to get that cost approved um, for 12 tours adding that much money. I don't know if it's feasible for this season. That does not mean that we will not keep trying um, to do that when we're afloat. Um, And I think that that's something that, you know, the theaters that have the ability to do that now do it. You know, we're making progress in the fact that we... And a lot of our tech schedules, they didn't even have a day off. You would work 11 days straight. But, uh, and that's like for the crew, that's 13 hour days, um, not including lunch breaks or the production meeting. That's 13 working hours. And then there's on top of that um, mm-hmm. for 11 days straight. But we've, you know, made progress. And it's like, you know what, let's add a day off in every schedule. So yes, you're working six days, but then you have a day off, which is not as, far as we would like to go but it's progress and I think that is all you can ask for right now is progress mm-hmm. um, because there are some places that can do it some places can make progress by eliminating 10 out of twelves right now some places can make progress by you know hiring entirely bipoc cast crews whatever you know there are there are different ways to make progress um and I think that ten out of twelves is is something that definitely is um you know it it ex it's how do you say it exploitative exploitative i don't know how to say that word i can't remember exploitative? but it exploits I don't know. um i, I, <laughs> I know, know what word you're trying yeah to. i can't remember though. how to pronounce it um but yeah it's it's not healthy for anyone it's not good for anyone and i think that we've gotten so accustomed to that um that we just we treat it as the norm and that's just how it is and we're just going to make it hard for everybody and everybody's going to be unhealthy and unsafe and boom it's just theater. Okay. Um, but I, I, think that it being called out, um, is definitely making it a priority for a lot of people. There are a lot of movements and a lot of calls to actions to get rid of them. Um, and I applaud the, the theaters and the companies who are able to get rid of them this coming season, whenever they reopen. Um, however, again, I don't think that's feasible for everybody immediately.
1: No, that's fair absolutely and like and i think it kind of goes safe to say and i re- i vaguely remember having this conversation megan with you I-, I forgot where but like we talk about how like we never get at it. like at 11 mm-hmm. you know it's it, yep. it, it, it's never just like oh it's 11 o'clock on the dot all right guys oh it's like oh it's five o'clock all right guys dinner break yep. everybody stop what you're doing your pencils mm-hmm. down we're gonna never we're all happened. gonna go you know have you know have some drinks exactly you know and yeah you know and I it, mean the it,
0: last the last 10 out of 12 I'll, I haven't had to do a 10 out of 12 cuz I went into the manufacturing 20. side of theater so I've been able to to not have to do that since college um I mean we do LDI which is I guess my next, like the next thing where like some nights we end up yeah. staying till like midnight or 1 and we got special leeway cuz we're the manufacturer but that's about it um but like I mean I remember in school like it was like all right actors went home at like 10 I didn't leave till like three because the designer still had to do some yeah. more like tech. And I was the button pusher on the on the consoles. like, And then I'd be back at it the next morning at like 7.30 to get there by eight to make sure we were all working and ready to go again.
1: Which brings up, like, actually, go ahead, sorry.
0: Oh, no, no, it's fine. Go for it.
1: Which brings up a very good point. Like if we as an industry want to eliminate 10 out of 12s, you know, we first have to recognize the fact that even if we say go to a eight out of ten, we have to realize that we as designers and technicians and programmers stop well, after ten hours. Like we we have to we have to you know we have to put ourselves into some yeah. accountability as well because even I, I have know. been I've been caught of that just being like oh it's eleven o'clock you know oh mm-hmm. but I, I, I want to get these notes done like that way it makes my life just a little bit easier when we start. When 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 yeah. we wake up at nine a.m. You know what that also tells me? That tells me that I'm literally lowering the cost of my fee because I'm working more extended hours than I have estimated as a business owner. And I'm taking advantage of my programmer, even if I am paying them, mm-hmm. you know, or my assistants, I'm taking advantage of them because we, you know, we we you know, I made a you know a contract with them saying like these are the dates that we're gonna work on. And on the calendars it says 10 out of 12. And we're going to work from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. By me asking them to work past 11 p.m. and say, oh, that's showbiz. Well, you know, and
0: it's, it's hard. Yeah. Sorry, so sorry, Shelby, so you go on, on yeah, the go
1: tour ahead.
2: side of things, the our, our tech days are structured as you've got a three hour morning work call and then two five hour sessions. So for the crew, that's 13 hours. So it is absolutely unrealistic, at least right now, to just eliminate work calls. You can't feasibly have, okay, everybody comes in for the two hour, five, two five hour sessions and that's it. So, what one of the points that I brought up when I was talking about this with some of the company was, you know, I'm not trying like as as much as i would love to get the crew to only work 10 hours a day that's not what i'm trying for right now what i'm trying for right now is to to get tech to end at 10 p.m instead of 11 p.m that's one hour while yes the cast and musicians will benefit Mm -hmm. more from that because they're still not coming in for that morning work call session Everybody will still benefit from one hour more of sleep, whether you actually treat yourself to a night at the bar and, you know, have a couple of drinks before going to bed, whether you use that time, get an extra hour of sleep. Um, even if you do choose to use that time and go to your hotel room and do paperwork, you know, it's it's your time. Everybody gets that extra mm-hmm. hour, even if it benefits other people disproportionately. Um The cast will always work less hours than the crew, but it still benefits everybody to reduce the amount of tech time in a single day.
1: Let me, let me clarify also, like, obviously when I meant by that, I meant also like that, like whatever hours that we as the company agree to, you know, like obviously if you and your company like have made an agreement that, Hey, this is, we have a 13 hour work week. You know of course then like they agree to that we have you know the, 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 it, it, this, it's not sprung up right as opposed to like you're right as long as you end by 10 p.m you know i'm saying that we as you know designers and technicians we need to be accountable within ourselves as well to know that when we all agreed that we're going to stop working at 10 p.m we stop working at 10 p.m because you know what's going to happen mm-hmm. if even if we go back to an eight out of ten right if we do an eight out of ten or like us as designers right or, you know, that you, be said that we have a 13-hour work week, but instead we're ending at 10, not 11, right? We're still going to st- end at 11 because when we were at 11, we, we ended at 11, we yep. were okay with ending at 12, you know? We have to have some sort of level of self-control within ourselves to not just give away, essentially, our energy, our work pass to what we agree to because it's not fair to ourselves it's not it's not fair to our assistants and our staff you know and the people who have to stay longer just because you feel like oh i can give that extra hour yeah you know
0: and i feel like it might be as as tech and by tech i mean technology like increases like if someone really wants to get more notes done i feel like as tech as we start getting to more like visualization software getting better and stuff like that, like more notes, like if I chose to, and I'm like, okay, I really need to get these notes done and programmed into the show file. Like I could take my show file and the visualization that I have and go do it at the hotel room. And I might even be able to get a little bit better done because I'm not having 8 million people. Like I'm not like pressured with having my assistant stay with me and work at that point too.
1: Actually, that's a really good point. Megan, uh, Shelby, can you chime in on this? So like. Can a designer actually take a show file? It, like we're talking in like in the sense of a union. Like, can a designer take a show file and edit, like, say their timings on a queue list on, like, you know, an EOS or something like that, and come back and be like, "Hey, programmer, it, this is the new show file." Is that okay, or do you think that's like really taboo, or even just straight out against? Oh, no, I don't
2: know their contracts enough to know whether that is in the rules, but I know that program like programmers are a designated position you've got your you know your Mm -hmm. uh pink contracts for programmers because that is a role and I like to think that (laughs) based off of my experiences unions are pretty strict on if this is your job this is your job um so my thought is that it's probably pretty against the rules because programmers are are covered by IATSE um and as far as i know not mm-hmm. under any sort of design union um a programmer is i offered an iazi pink contract 100%. um to work on a show with us at least um so for a designer <laughs> yeah. somebody who's not on a pink to to program based off of my limited knowledge on this seems like it would be against the rules um Plus, also, just again, based on my personal experience, you know, as an equity stage manager, I am not allowed to touch props backstage. Um, you know, I am not allowed mm-hmm. to move scenery. I am not allowed to to put my hand on the units I'm calling focus for. You know, I have to stand there and tell them where to point it. I cannot do it myself because IOTC, um designates that that is an electrician's responsibility or you know their their props person's responsibility um so with that in mind it it seems that it would be very taboo or very against the rules um for a designer to make those programming changes on their own you know you can go home and take the notes on exactly what you want so Mm -hmm. that when you get in for the morning work call you know you can just plow through it with your programmer super quick um, but for you to take it and do it yourself, I think, would not be appropriate.
1: I agree. That, I agree.
0: that makes total sense. And I just completely forgot about that aspect yeah. of programmers being part of the union.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think that pretty much everything that wraps up everything what we wanted to talk about today. What do you think, guys? Do you have anything else you want to talk about?
0: I'm good. Yeah, that was, I don't think that so. Nice. I think that was really good
1: awesome 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 god this is great i'm glad we were able to talk and do another episode and guys we are going to try to do more episodes moving forward uh going back to that bi-weekly schedule uh the reason we kind of stopped was uh, i'll be honest it's mainly my fault uh i started teaching and i really really underestimated how much time and energy it takes to teach wow Such ignorance, um, but I think I'm 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 kind of like uh, you know stabilizing my time management. That I'm hoping that we can do a little bit more um, episode content. It wasn't
0: just you, Phil. I could have also been like, "Hey, let's record." i oh, have a topic. That's topics. true. That's but true.
1: That's true. Call-
0: As Shelby is using this pandemic time to better herself, I call it the pandemic pro- procrastination, <laughs> where I basically stopped everything. Like in midsummer, I was like. I'm done. I am taking this time to like not do anything. I had some extra time from work and was like, nah.
1: You know, what? I completely disagree, Megan. Because you know what, though, because like I wake up like this is a this is a both a shout out promotion and at the same time, what the hell, Megan? This okay? This person, Megan, wakes up at seven o'clock in the morning, Central Time, to to stream their content on Twitch, which that is so badass. Everybody, go to Twitch.com forward slash. MW apps? Is it still that?
0: Uh, No, it's Megan Wilson underscore. Megan Wilson underscore. It's my Twitter and Instagram now.
1: So there you go. Um, I
0: got it all the same thing. It's amazing. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm already... I I get up at 5.30 already because the dogs are on the schedule. Uh, The wife is already getting ready for work at that point. Like, I'm already on the schedule and I'm already up and going. And I'm like, well... And I'm working from home. So I don't have a commute right now. So it's like from like 6.45 to 8, I'm not really doing anything with my time and I want to get my app done and I might as well go on Twitch and do it. And there we are. That's awesome. That's that's, that's what I do. But that that didn't start till about like right... I got really serious with that like schedule like right after Christmas, I think. Like it's not... It wasn't, like, a set thing. It's, like, like right after Christmas is when I started that schedule. So, like, I had full-blown what I call pandemic pro- procrastination where I didn't really I mean, do there's much no until way, then. Like, there's no proper
2: way to pandemic, you know? they're Like, if you're, mm-hmm. if no, you're no, taking the time and doing literally nothing, that's fine. Because, you know, again, we've been so accustomed to this 10 out of 12 crazy, you know, 100 mile an hour mm-hmm. schedule. Like, do nothing for a few months and that's fine, but... My brain doesn't yeah. I, I try mm-hmm. to do nothing and it, it's really hard. Um but yeah, there's like no right way. Like literally anything <laughs> anybody is doing right now is good. No matter how much or how little it is.
0: Yeah. It's that is very true as well. Yeah.
1: So Shelby. Oh god, well
2: not many places right now because I watched the social dilemma, so I'm not on social <laughs> media anymore. Um Oh, my God. I think we're watching that this weekend.
1: What's the what's, what, what's the right pigeon to, to send a, a letter to and tie and get it on the ankle and fly a flight? Or is yeah. it
2: smoke signals now? I yeah. mean, I've got an email address. No. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a website? <laughs> yeah, I got nothing. Oh, I mean, okay. you could, like, well, that works. I, I don't mean, know. Like, my name is Shelby Stark. You could find me on Facebook, and maybe I'll check it in six months. Same with Instagram, at Shell Stark, S-H-E-L-S-T-A-R-K. But uh yeah i don't know otherwise like if you want to if you want to chat with me talk to talk to megan or phil and then i'll i'll hand out my email address because uh because i am like (laughs) anti-social media right now and it is so liberating
1: (laughs) well that's good enough for (laughs) me if anything yeah megan phil where can people find you on the internet?
0: Yeah, I have not shunned off social media. I actually started another Instagram, <laughs> um, but mainly you can find me on all the places: Instagram, Twitch, Twitter at Megan Wilson underscore. I started a development-centered, like an app developer-centered Instagram at Part-Time Developer underscore because I don't know. I guess I wanted a pointed Instagram. We'll see if that changes after watching the social dilemma this week. Uh, that's but awesome. Phil. Yeah, it's fun. Phil, where can we find you?
1: Uh, you can find me at, uh, at PhilVelar on my Twitter, Phil underscore Velar on my Instagram, because they still won't release that at PhilVelar handle when no one is using it. Still in an ongoing <laughs> battle. And you can also find me on my website, which is com. Well, guys, thank you for so much for listening to our show. I am Phil Velar. I go by they, them pronouns. Megan?
0: I also use they them. Um, and before we sign off completely, we do have a discord if anyone wants to chat yes, and we... join. I'll plug that again since we're recording episodes again.
1: Yes, yes, um, absolutely. And... Discord
0: has become a big part of my life lately. And I feel like I'm always talking over you, Phil, this time. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, I like
1: it because I talked to But
0: <laughs> But so usually you can also find me on our discord because I'll probably just get a notification that someone has joined.
1: Absolutely. And Shelby, what about you? What are your pronouns?
2: Uh, I am Shelby Stark, and I use she, her pronouns.
1: Have a good one, y'all.